0: Hello friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philobon. Welcome to what we both like to call this episode, Fab in Feb. And that stands for Fabulous in February. (gasps) Um, Our next guest, he's already doing an interpretive modern dance uh, over Zoom for me. He put on his, oh, now he's doing like mime. He put on his beautiful uh, official glasses. It's like we're uh, inside the actor's studio here. Please welcome such a charming, beautiful human being who, once you hear him speak, you're just going to want him to, like, do a guided meditation with you. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to want him to tell you bedtime stories every night. Our very first international guest, welcome Luke Anthony Neville to the podcast.
1: Hello. How are are you? I'm not having him read me a bedtime story.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. Maybe like, I just want you to read me a bedtime story.
1: (laughs) I do not like green eggs and ham. (laughs) I do not like them. Sam, I am. That's the only one I know.
0: This is where I start snoring. (laughs) Good night.
1: (laughs) And that's the rest of the podcast. I'm just reading green eggs and ham today, everyone.
0: (laughs) They'd be like, boring.
1: (laughs) Heard it before
0: heard it before well I'm seeing a bunch of books behind you and uh are you in your library? where are you right now
1: I'm at the foot of my bed uh the stacks of books behind me are a medley of books I'm getting rid of and books that I am to read in the Mm -hmm. near future uh the Mm -hmm. book pile seems to be getting taller and taller so it's sort of becoming a side table if you will (laughs) Um, but yeah, this is just sort of a dumping ground at the end of my bed. It's a really beautiful picture that I'm painting for all of your lovely viewers.
0: I know. So. I wish I wish that you could see it. <laughs> you're 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 like um in beauty. You're like Belle in Beauty and the Beast when she discovers the library.
1: <laughs> Truly, although that paints a very grand picture, and really, I'm sat at the foot of my bed in my New York apartment with a stack of books that I haven't read. <laughs> well, I'm dressed as Belle. <laughs>
0: you're in like a gold ball gown (laughs)
1: Uh, that is true that is true
0: Tale as old as time
1: (laughs) song as old as rhyme is that the next line?
0: Uh, I think so yeah tale as old as time song as old as rhyme Uh, I've
1: never done (laughs) that have you done that show?
0: I've done it twice
1: (laughs) oh my god I was gonna say you'd kill in that show Thank yes. you.
0: I think I was the old lady with the cane and, like, a dancing napkin the first time around.
1: I mean, what part more could you want in that show? Well, okay, napkin? I will
0: tell you, the second time around, I was a silly girl.
1: Ah, oh, those are great parts. Yeah. I would so, love to do that in, like, drag.
0: Oh, you'd be great.
1: Just a silly girl in drag that's, like, pining <laughs> after Gaston.
0: <Augusta. laughs> I, I wasn't sure... Like, if you met like Belle in drag, a silly girl in drag, or like everyone in drag.
1: <laughs> Just a one-man drag, beating the beast. No one... After the year we've had, no one needs that. No one needs that.
0: <laughs> Nobody needs that, but you know what we do need? We okay. need to know your life journey, so please tell everyone where you are from, how you got into theater, and what's the first show you did?
1: Ooh, uh, so I am from the mm-hmm. south coast of England, Uh, I was born in a place called Portsmouth, relocated to the northeast of England uh, in a place called County Durham. If you've ever seen Billy Elliot, it's the place where that is set uh, in the northeast. I do not sound like I'm from the northeast uh, because my parents have a very southern British accent. Uh, I was actually a bit of a late bloomer when it came to performing. I didn't do my first show until I was 16. Um, I think I always... Wanted to perform. I was very loud and didn't really have anywhere to put that energy. Uh, I think my parents were sort of like, please find something to channel this energy. Um, But my local town had a really great uh, community theater. We call it Amateur Dramatics in the UK. They had a really, really great company that uh, once a year they would do these amazing, like mega musicals. I mean, they would do things like Les Mis uh we did phantom one year and they would do like full out productions it was insane i remember a couple of friends that i went to high school with uh attended the community theater and they would come back in in september to school and sort of talk about these amazing experiences and i remember i think it was 2010 2011 they posted that they were looking for uh, boys to audition for Les Mis. I guess they needed more for the students and a variety of different roles. And I sort of like nagged my parents. I was like, please let me do this, it's my chance. I'm gonna shine. Uh, I really had no idea what I was getting myself in for, but I think that sort of helped me when auditioning because I had no clue what kind of weird scenario an audition is, so I just learnt my part went in, and they said, huh, would you come back in for Tenardier? Bear in mind that I'm 16 years old. I look no different. Uh, Just to paint a quick picture for all your viewers, I am bald. (laughs) Um, I'm a very burly British man, uh, and I've looked the same since I was 14. So uh, I went into this audition room. I can't remember what I... I think I sang It Takes Two from Hairspray, which is like... (laughs) was, like, a great, the last, the, a great choice, but the last song that would ever be in my rep. Um, <laughs> just this, like, very dulcet, monotone version of that song. Uh, and, the, yeah, they called me back for Tenardier. And I remember sort of being like, oh, I don't know what this is. And I think at the time, the Les Mis 25th anniversary concert had just come out mm-hmm. uh, on DVD. So I, like, rushed home that night and, like, watched the show. And went in the next day and they offered me the part of Tenardier and that was the first role I did which is bonkers uh I'm sort of aging into that role (laughs) like as we like day by day I think I've aged into it throughout the pandemic um there's definitely been days where I've woken up and resembled an innkeeper in like a poor innkeeper um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that was the first that was the first show I did which is kind of like a two and a half hour mega musical (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty demanding first role, especially for a 16-year-old.
1: It was, cr- and I remember, I remember, like, all the fun, the things that I love about theater now, like, you know, being made to your costume looking so ridiculous or, like, your hair and makeup being so beyond what you normally look like. I remember at the time, obviously, I was, like, 16, figuring myself out. There were some very handsome boys playing the students, and they would take me into, like, hair and makeup and they would like put mud on my face and like blackouts and teeth. And I remember being like, all I wanna do is be pretty like the boys that are playing (laughs) the students or like the amazing, beautiful girls that were playing the lovely ladies. And I was so upset, so I used to like go back to my dressing and like smudge my blacked out teeth and like rub some dirt off because I was so like upset that I had to be like bedraggled. Now I'm like, I wanna play the crazy like nut job that is an innkeeper
0: yeah Uh, you're like please like put some more dirt on my face
1: i want to look nothing like myself um but i that was sort of like the distinctive memory of like doing it at 16 was just being like oh i don't look cool i I look like a crazy person and that's kind of the point right i mean oh yeah Uh, oh yeah
0: yeah the tenardiers are just like i mean they steal the show
1: (laughs) oh we would be great as like the Tsunade. So imagine like how Tsunade. We would just go nuts. No.
0: Oh, yeah. I ha- I've done Les Mis and I was in the ensemble and I wasn't really a huge fan of the show until I yeah. did the show because yeah. because before I was like, oh, this show is just, it's too long. Yeah. It's too dramatic. I'm like, there's too many ballads. Too many people die. It's, um, so,
1: it's, a, it's a pretty, it's pretty yeah. extensive something the other day read me like a synopsis of the show but like they tried to like dull it down and they were like man steals loaf of bread is pursued by policemen students die and that was like i was like i mean it's not wrong
0: it's not wrong <laughs> and, and then Fontine's ghost appears
1: Fontine's ghost appears she's in the ensemble for a little bit they gave her something to do mm-hmm. you would kill in all those parts I'd catch you was anything in that show that you wanted to do.
0: Oh well thank you so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do not have that power, but but I would. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was in the ensemble and, and I will say act one for the ensemble, I mean you were like up until I would say the song stars you are constantly i mean you are running you are like quick changing you are you know you're doing a million things and then stars is like your breath of fresh air
1: you do not stop I, my, my friend and i have like a running joke of everyone has like a dream ensemble part from Les Mis. like everyone kind of like i've always wanted to be the foreman
0: oh like I've just, yes. I, just, I just like
1: always in my head like want to do like the foreman track and like yeah. maybe one of like the disgruntled sailors at the end. <laughs> like, just there's so many great ensemble parts in that show that everyone yeah. thinks it's about like cassette, and you're like, no, 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 no. It's about the it's about the the factory worker that steals the letter girl. It's all about her.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not about Cosette. It's about like whore number four.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, lovely ladies, smell them in the air. Absolutely, that's who I want to be. I want to be <laughs> one of the lovely ladies.
0: <laughs> well, you are a lovely lady. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Now I've just changed from Belle to <laughs> a lovely lady. I'm actually changing outfits every five minutes.
0: <laughs> well, I have to know because I, your story is incredible to me. Because, okay, so you did Les Mis, and mm-hmm. then did you go to college for theater?
1: I, it was sort of a hobby for a little while. uh In the UK, we finished high school at 16 and then the last two years are optional if you want to go to like a university you have to do those next two years mm-hmm. which are uh, sixth form that you study your a levels uh i sort of just before i turned eight uh, 17 i had a discussion with my parents where i'd done i think by that point we did les miz, we then did chorus line which is like <laughs> a completely different show. Again, a very different show that I definitely will not do again. Um, And then I believe we had Greece, which was, of course, like when you're a teenager and you're in your hometown, like what a hoot. And I remember saying to my parents, I was like, I think I found the thing that I want to do. And the bargain with my parents was if I completed my uh, A-level, so that last two years, uh, 16 to 18 at school, they would then help me get started. So I finished those two years off. In those two years, continued to do theater on the weekends or in the summer uh, over Christmas and then uh, I auditioned for drama schools in London Mm -hmm. which was I think a little bit ahead of my uh, experience and you know again I'd only really started since I was 16 and the, the community theater that I was part of was incredible at giving us the skills of working professionally and they really did create a professional environment I mean uh, more professional than some of the environments I've worked in in my actual career, um, which is usually the way, right? I mean, there's just amazing regional theatres everywhere. Um, and so I auditioned in London unsuccessfully for a bunch of different schools, sort of was downhearted by it. And then I went back to the Northeast, the region where I grew up and they had this amazing, they call it like a foundation degree. So it sets you up to study a BA, uh, it's a two year course. It was a lot cheaper but they gave this amazing standard of training so i did that for two years so i was 18 till i was 20 mm-hmm. uh and it was a rigorous a rigorous rigorous course like every drama school is um i so i did that that was sort of like my first professional training and again moved to london it wasn't really working out again and i was like okay okay <laughs> what am I to do? Uh, And I really wanted to fine tune the skill set that I had. I love musical theater, but I really wanted to be like a storyteller, no matter what that looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to fine tune my acting skills a bit more. A friend of mine from my uh, hometown, she went to school in New York at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. She was home for like the summer one day and I was sort of saying how London wasn't really working out. I had like been given comments that i was a little bit too big for like in terms of like or like my performances were too large (laughs) for this the style that they were looking for uh and she was like you should you should come to america and train and fine tune and i think you would fit well with uh american musical theater and the sort of like level of energy that's required of uh that's put into musical theater in America. Not that it's dramatically different, but she just sort of like felt this fit. And I was like, I don't know, that's like a huge move. (laughs) I auditioned um, and got in, which was crazy. And then it just started to become more and more of a real option. You know, I worked my little butt off to save as much money as I could and um, made the move in 2015. and went to drama school for three more years. So I did five years of training, which is kind of insane. Because now there's no industry. No kidding.
0: I know. <laughs> but, well, I was gonna say, after five years of drama school, you're a I, I would you're a very serious actor now.
1: <laughs> Truly. I, I think I think almost like you go through that motion though, right? Remember like there's always a point where I think we take ourselves incredibly seriously incredibly seriously? Incredibly serious? we take ourselves
0: too seriously we
1: take ourselves too seriously i but i think that happens at any drama school for any student because it is a craft and you kind of have to sort of have a word with yourself and say how am i gonna apply this to my life uh but then i sort of came full circle again i just i love the, the childlike aspect of acting and i think towards my last year after four years of training i sort of found the joy of you're a storyteller and that's sort of where you can begin anything whether it's musical theater you know plays tv film podcasts you know yeah it sort of became that for me again so I sort of did that full circle so it's funny you said taking yourself too seriously I think in like first year of drama school in New York I was like this is it I am I am Philip Seymour Hoffman this is my big moment like taking myself a little too seriously and like all my like schoolmates are like please calm down sir this is not the oscars
0: (laughs) you are not winning your oscar currently you're
1: not in doubt like please calm down
0: (laughs) well and we met in god what year is it now 2021 oh lord we met in 2019 we've only done one show together and we did, Funnily enough,
1: our last show, <laughs> well, my I last will, show.
0: Well, yeah, the last show that I performed in was yeah. Elf the musical at the Little Theater on the Square. Mm. And I will say it's the only time that I've ever um, been in a Santa suit on stage.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Oh my God, we had such a laugh. It was such a good show.
0: It was so much fun. The be- the beginning of act two, we sat at a table together in the Chinese restaurant, mm-hmm. in um, Santa outfits.
1: oh my goodness what I wouldn't give to be sat like waiting for act two beginners at that table us all dressed so ridiculously as mall santas like that is just so much fun what a great experience that was
0: yeah it was so great it was so great you're right the older I get the more I'm you know because I've I've played all different kinds of characters yeah. and you know sometimes I play like the magical ki- like a ghost or Humpty Dumpty or yeah. you know something like and then sometimes you're like the sexy girl like the, the pin-up yeah. girl or whatever and now that I'm in my 30s and I'm a mom I'm like please just put me in an oversized Santa suit with a oh beard goodness.
1: I think that's sort of like the case for anyone who I mean I think a lot of people get put in that like character actor bracket um and it can be a tricky bracket to be in i think especially in your like teenage and early 20s year because it's associated with roles that are really like sort of like 38 plus and when you're you know 19 and other people are like in for fiero and glinda you're like but i want to do that you know um <laughs> but it is sort of a it's fun i mean like i love yeah. getting to play the most like, left and right field sort of characters. Like, that's the fun of it. I mean, Elf is a prime example. Like, the things that we did in that show were just bonkers. I mean, to start the show as an elf and end as a mall Santa that's found the joy of Christmas again is just really, like, my (laughs) favourite. Like, arc. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, and I remember us, because we would go to the coffee shop a lot and Mm -hmm. have like little coffee shop chats together. And I remember that you were getting ready to take your equity card, I'm pretty sure.
1: I was, yeah. Yeah, tell me
0: about that. Tell me about that journey.
1: So uh, October, 2019. So just just around the time that I booked Elf, actually, because I think I was very late to the Elf casting process. I think they were looking for like one more ensemble member to fill the cast uh and kristen our choreographer she called me and was like hey do you want to do the show and submit for it and i was like el the musical yes i do uh, but around the same time i was in for a show a, a workshop and a production of hood the musical which is like a musical adaptation of robin hood and sort of um a very f- it's got a lot of folk music it's a really beautiful yeah adaptation.
0: wait was this at oslo rap
1: yes yes it, oh it,
0: this um, is so funny because i my i don't know if you listened to the um benjamin jc luzak episode he works there he works in development at osler and he talked about this musical about hood
1: oh my goodness is such, yeah. it's such a small world isn't it it's kind of yeah. ridiculous so they were casting uh october 2019 um and i got the call like the same week as elf actually that they were going to be doing it so we were tapped to be doing the show uh April 2020 so we immediately after we finished Elf obviously it was the holiday break uh, the beginning of the new year we did a workshop a two-week workshop in New York uh working out some of the choreography and just like jumping into the show because it was a new work and so and they had a bunch of new cast members so we did a workshop in New York uh that took us to like March 1st I think and then 13 days later we got the call and the world got the call yeah (laughs) um, hey nothing's gonna be happening for a little while um and that was sort of what happened but thankfully because we did the two-week workshop i was still eligible to take my card because of course i was supposed to get it because of the production um so thankfully i still got my card a really random time (laughs) to get it um (laughs) i've sort of had this unused Lovely, lovely piece of plastic on my uh, on my desk at home. <laughs> but it, I mean, it was you know it, I feel very fortunate that that was the case. It was sort of felt like I still made a big step in twenty twenty, um, which is a very fortunate position to be in, albeit not the way it was supposed to be. But yeah, that was sort of what I was working on immediately. I remember like I was just about to get ready to go to that after Elf.
0: which was Wow. Crazy. Yeah, that, I, I I remember you talking about that. That is crazy. And how have you been in New York this entire time?
1: Yes. So we, uh, literally from the get go, we, I mean, I was sort of going, I was getting ready to leave for Florida, um, around the time that it all shut down. I think we were supposed to fly into Sarasota on the 27th. So really it was like, really, it was so close to the, to the lockdown. Um, but I've been here the whole time, you know, like everyone, I think I sort of waited it out, um, laying low with my husband in our apartment and, you know, feeling out every single day as all of us have. I mean, I think that's pretty much all we could have done. I mean, I've I i was, I've been trying to think back to like 2020, at the beginning of this year, and of course it feels no different. But I always get very reflective and sort of pensive at this time of year and, you know, right. sort of thinking about like, well, I had all this time and when are we ever going to have this, you know, sort of dormant chunk of time, mm-hmm. not only nationally but internationally that we all, you know, when we all initially got locked down um and what i would do any different and uh or different what i would do differently and i don't think there's i don't think any of us can really think like that we would prepare like how could we ever have prepared for this amount of time you know the fact that we all for the most part had our health and you know chose to stay safe and help others i think that's sort of like the call of duty for the last year so i i've been trying not to be too hard and be like well i could have learned french you know or something Mm -hmm. like it's like you know what? You put pants on. That's sort of enough for that Tuesday, you know. Yeah,
0: you got out of bed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got out of bed and you made toast. <laughs> you are what a culinary genius.
0: <laughs> you are winning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Truly winning. winning but, uh, we'll we'll take those small victories. Eh?
0: Well, I know you you read a lot of books.
1: I did read a lot of books. I I that was like that was definitely one of the highlights, I would say, mm-hmm. as a kid before I discovered that I wanted to perform. I think it was like my outlet of this like energy that i had because you know literature takes us out of ourselves and we can see the world through a different pair of eyes and i just love i read incessantly as a kid i sort of was always buried in a book um to the point where i would like fake my eye my eye exams at the optometrist to try and get glasses just to like look the part um (laughs) (laughs) i remember like going in at 11 like dying to be harry potter um but yeah I just always have my head buried in the book and I think when I be started to act or perform or you know audition I I find it hard to read at the same time as like being in something I don't know if you find the same I find it hard to sort of associate with other yeah.
0: stories if I'm
1: telling one it's like a weird thing that I have so right. it's been nice to sort of reconnect with just Books and like novels and right. biographies and self help books, Lord knows we all needed those this year um but that's definitely been like the joy of this year. It's sort of like been the replacement escape, I think while I didn't perform, you know, I could sort of like jump into a book and take myself away for a little bit
0: yeah yeah, me too I actually I read a lot right. of books this year too, and I know some people do like the fifty 52- two books in a year Ooh. thing and and I don't know how they do it like that it's like a, a book a week and I mean that is, that is a true commitment to reading
1: <laughs> I think I can do like a book in two and a half like that's yeah. that to me, if I'm like reading every day and I chip away at it that's sort of like been the record I think did you did you have a favorite book that you read this year
0: oh that is so tough because I feel like I read so many good ones um I read Little Women which I <gasps> it's so are you joking
1: weird. i just finished little woman i'm not even kidding you like last week
0: it is so good
1: was it your first time reading it yeah first time Me too oh my goodness i it feels like so delayed to be obsessed with this book like yeah i was talking to a friend about it and she was like you need to calm down this literally came out 200 years ago um <laughs> but it was such a poignant time to like it i is. think visit this book yeah did you leave your mind?
0: It is. I mean, it, I think it's just so like simple and and beautifully written, and it's mm. all about family and how. I mean, that's the most important thing in in your Absolutely. life, and and not you know like family comes in so many different forms. Yeah. You know, not obviously, yes, your biological family, but then your other families, your your work family, your theater family, your, yeah. um, you know, it's it's and and like that has sort of been like that's the theme of the book. That was. Yeah. Kind of theme of last year and then going into this year and is that anything at at any given moment on any given day anything and everything can just be taken from you
1: yeah would you say that you are a meg a beth a joe or an amy
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. this Hmm. is a tough one it's hard right
1: my friend asked me to say that i i to help you out i think my answer is i think i'm an amy
0: I was mm-hmm. definitely, like, an
1: Amy child, like, always wanting to be an adult, but I think I'm, like, a Meg rising, because I'm a bit of a settler, like, I love a family life, you know, like, I'm sort of like an Amy with a Meg rising.
0: <laughs> with, like, Sagittarius. And- <laughs>
1: <laughs> with, like, a Lori moon.
0: <laughs> the Lori moon, LOL. I'm, like, I was gonna say, like, what other, I'm, um, like well i would de- the the person i think that i related with so much in the book definitely in part one was joe because she was so career driven and that yeah. was like all of my 20s was just about career 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 yeah. career but then i like where i am now and especially as a mother i would probably relate to marmy the most
1: yeah so do you, think that, do you think that came from like having i mean obviously it's like from having sophie but like i oh that's such a great character yeah I'm just like thinking about little women I I worked like through Christmas at one of my side hustles and my husband went up to Boston for a little bit in between Christmas and New Year so I had the house to myself and I was like I'm gonna finish Little Woman while he's away I'm gonna sit with my cat on the sofa and finish this book off I finished it was a complete emotional wreck and I was like okay now I can watch the Greta Gerwig version for the first time Mm -hmm. the one that just came out like when we were probably doing Elf and that is the i I strongly advise that no one it's so good i was a mess i like cried when i finished the book and then started the film and i obviously wasn't expecting it to start like in the middle of the 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 novel and i i think i cried solidly for like three hours which i don't recommend doing on your own (laughs) with a cat and you know (laughs) it just having been christmas at the end of 2020 yeah um it's so funny you read it for the first time.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, you know, I talk about this, I think in my episode about gratitude, like all the things yeah. I was grateful for in 2020. And that story just sort of kept yeah I don't know coming it was like a kind of the whole year that story was really um prevalent
1: yeah
0: and important and yeah I saw I watched the movie a couple of times and I think I cry every single time and my favorite part and it's it's in the book as well is when Marmee says I'm angry every single day (laughs) I'm angry every day I'm like that is relatable to me
1: (laughs) the quote I remember and she says it in the um mommy says it in the greta girl adaptation is uh don't let the sun go down on your anger Mm -hmm. i think that's like a really like i think that hit me differently at the end of 2020 because i think it's you know i think we're all frustrated and i was like that's such a good way to navigate this crazy time is you know we're all frustrated this is awful but like not going to bed with that pent up inside of us it was yeah. like such good advice i was like thank you mommy thank you Louisa May yes. <laughs> for that sage advice
0: yeah That's truly Transcended
1: time truly
0: well i mean obviously this pandemic has been going on for what almost a year now mm-hmm. but i I am curious to know what, how, because I know a lot of people who come to live here, they have a lot of difficulties and a lot of struggles and challenges. And it, it, it's like, you have to have a certain amount of money. You have to yeah. like, a lot of rules. And so was it really difficult to, um, you know, to live in America and go to school here? Yeah. And what sort of challenges did that? And on also like what other challenges have you had with this career?
1: Yeah, I think... Uh, To answer the one about moving to the US, I think, like everyone, um, there's like this looming uh, date that is like your, your visa's up, it's always in the back of your mind, you know, even now that I'm married, and I live here full time as a permanent resident, there's still a date on it, you know, like, there's always like a sort of um, set amount of time that you have to work as much as you can, especially as an actor, like you have to sort of prove To the u.s that you're working consistently which like we all know in this industry is tricky at the best of times um Mm -hmm. so when i initially moved here i i had it in my head for some reason and i don't think i i probably was given some really wonderful advice to do this but i always had it in my head that if i didn't focus on staying in the u.s it would be a little bit easier i think i felt like if i spent all of my time and energy when i was allowed to work here focusing on that date then it would become trickier because i would just be putting all my time and focus and energy onto that so i tried to put it to bed as much as i could and focus on like what i was here for which was to gain the experience of living and working in new york and um these even at like the very base like getting amazing training from practitioners overseas which is like you know even that's a, an immense privilege um And thankfully, it worked out. I don't know if it's because of that, but I, you know, when people ask me, you know, how did it work out for you, or how come you're still there, I always say, like, as much as it's like really tricky, is try not to focus too much on it because it is. I think if you consume yourself with, I can't stay here forever, um, you sort of start to jeopardize like anything that might be joyous or you know that might benefit you actually staying in the long run. So that was sort of. The navigation it's it's tricky and i think it's also um it becomes very easy or it becomes almost ne- necessary to say yes to everything mm-hmm. um which we all sort of do once we graduate drama school you know we sort of want to make sure that we're as busy as possible um but again a piece of advice that i got from a mentor of mine was have something that you say no to which sounds like i mean at this point i'm like I have nothing that I would say no to at this point. It's been so long since I performed. But I think as a graduate, that was really helpful advice because it sort of had me edit what I was, again, putting my time and energy into. Um, I can't remember what it was that I said no to. It was probably something stupid that I should have said yes to. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think think for me it's about what you focus on. And I think when you move to a different country, if you focus on – the dwindling time that you're there for it becomes about that and it doesn't become about the experience of of taking it all in um so that was that was definitely a challenge but it was how i got through that career-wise um i think like almost everyone in this industry i think i suffer a lot from the comparison uh gene and you know i think that's something that as actors we learn to work with but i don't think it ever goes away um and it crops up at different times i think sometimes it shows up as like imposter syndrome like i you know got this job on luck and i'm going to be caught out and then fired or um it crops up as anxiety or stage fright sometimes um or post-show anxiety you know like we've all had that last day of contract and then like what's next um so i definitely think that is like my biggest thing i definitely felt at a drama school i think it's it's almost like heightened in that environment when you're you know around your fellow classmates it's really hard to be like well i would have loved to have done that monologue or you know why can't i play the 22 year old college student why am i playing like the burly irish groundskeeper like (laughs) you know um you sort of do this comparison game But I, I, again, I'm going to misquote something, but someone said that comparison is the thief of joy. And that's, like, I literally think about that quote every single day. And it doesn't always help, but I think that is so true because we spend so much time thinking about what someone else has on their plate when you have, like, a bountiful meal on your own. Yeah. Um, That is different to everyone else's, you know. It's sort of a... um, a thing that I think I'm always battling, even when I'm not working, um, just as a human being. You know, we walk past someone and we're like, huh, I would love to have that head of hair. (laughs) I'm bald, by the way. Um, (laughs) You know, whatever it might be. And it's a kind of vicious game. And I think we have it, our generation has it almost worse because of social media and the exposure that we have to compare ourselves to others. Um, But yeah, I think it's definitely something that, I realized quickly that I wasn't ever going to get rid of shift, but actually something that I could like learn to fold into who I am as a person. And that's just sort of like, it's sort of like learning to live with it, I guess.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also learning to be grateful for the things that you do have rather than, I guess, being ungrateful for the things that you don't have (laughs) or that somebody else has or, Oh, I know I've definitely, I've been, very guilty of, of that, of, you know, comparing and being jealous or, and I think it's normal. Absolutely. It's the, all of these feelings are very normal to have.
1: You you just can't, you have to learn how to not let them consume you. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine, I mean, growing up and having a phone as like, I mean, I don't, I don't think I got my first phone until I was like 15, which is still pretty early slash late. Now it's late. But can you imagine those like formative, like preteen years, like looking at Instagram or TikTok or something? I mean, you know, those those platforms are amazing for so many wonderful things. You know, you and I both have them and they're amazing for sharing your incredible podcast or, you know, looking for bookings or, you know, celebrating a job that you've got. Um, Documenting Sophie, like I love getting to see her grow up, like from all the way in New York. And again, like connecting with my family in the UK, I would never get rid of it because of that reason. But I think I can't imagine it being like in those formative years, I think. Because again, like we're already consumed by it and we've had like what 10 years on the thing. Like, I can't imagine it. Yeah, I'm flabbergasted.
0: No, I don't think. I mean, Facebook was a thing like right when I was going into college. Yeah. And i don't think instagram was a thing until i was out of college (laughs)
1: yeah i remember like that i remember like the myspace days me too like the biggest drama you had was like who was in your top six friends i'm like you you remember that like yes i remember like my myspace page at like 13 when you clicked on my profile it played people by uh from Funny Girl by Barbara Streisand. <laughs> and I still had to come out after that as gay, um, if that wasn't <laughs> enough. Just go yeah. on my myspace profile, Mum and
0: Dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll know. <laughs> and
1: you'll know for sure.
0: Well, do you do you get to see your family very often or no?
1: Um virtually yes. Uh my mum and I at the moment are doing, uh, the 30 day yoga challenge on YouTube and we like FaceTime in the morning and like do it side by side.
0: I want to do that.
1: (laughs) So it's so good. I highly recommend. Um, but physically I did see my folks, uh, in January. So I went home just before the workshop started. So I'm thankful that I had this very brief moment in the uk before the world shut down i remember like the day that we flew back the first case was confirmed in the uk so it was like that era when we were like oh it will be something that we just learn to live with and it'll be fine um i don't get to them too often uh my parents sort of used to try and come out once a year or i would try and go home once a year but i think again it's that really tricky um thing of when you initially graduate drama school and you just try and be as busy as possible. I think initially, like I was sort of taking jobs before thinking about heading home. And that's another positive thing about this year is now I'm sort of reprioritizing and going, it's important to be close with family when you can and Mm -hmm. um, sort of reprioritizing. But yeah, I don't see them too often physically, but we call like and text every day. My my, immediate family, like my mom, my dad, and my younger sister, we have like a text chat that's popping off uh, 24/7. <laughs> Literally 24-7 like they'll be asleep right now and in two hours when i'm asleep they'll be texting the group chat so it's uh, 24-7
0: <laughs> i love that yeah that's so sweet and like endearing and it's nice to be able to be connected to people who are so far away
1: yeah i remember I, like when i i threatened to delete my facebook two years ago my grandmother was like don't it's the only way I know what you're doing. She's, like, got tabs on me across New York. <laughs> Bless her. I was like, I won't, Granny. I won't delete my Facebook. She was like, good. And you better update your status. And I was like, I will.
0: Oh, my God. One time, my mom, this was a couple of years ago. Yeah. She, she only had an Instagram just to follow my Instagram story. Like, that was <laughs> it.
1: I love these, like, dormant, like, mum profiles. Like, my mum's is the same. It's, like, a complete, like, voyeur Instagram where she, yeah. like, does there's not even a profile picture i think yeah. people think she's like a bot and she just watches my, my yeah story.
0: yeah she didn't have like had i think i had maybe like one post total in like one in years and she just watched my instagram story every day and then there, one day i just i don't know didn't post a story yeah. and she called me and she was very concerned yeah. and she said sarah are you okay are you there she's like i think there's something wrong with my instagram i can't i can't watch your story today <gasps> And I'm like, mom, that's because I didn't post one. And she goes, why?
1: Why (laughs) Why? not? (laughs)
0: Get posting now. Like, what are you doing over there? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I
1: was busy. I'm sorry. I didn't have time. (laughs) Time to update everyone, mom. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Have you, what have you learned about um, growing up with an amazing figure like your mom being a mom? Like, what have you learned like being a mom?
0: Mm, mm, that is such a great question see i feel like now you are the host of their
1: (laughs) well see this is what i love about your podcast they're so chatty i love it but i have so many (laughs) questions to ask you as well
0: (laughs) we'll we'll do a part two episode where just you just ask me how does that sound absolutely i so many things so many things and i just looking back um my mom she especially i mean from a very young age like there were a lot of rules, there was a lot of structure, there was a lot of responsibility, there were a lot of expectations. And I think that was really good for me, because she was really hard on me. Yeah. And I think it's because she knew that the world is hard. You know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not gonna be a rosy sunshine walk in the park all the time. In fact, most of the time, not like you're gonna go through a lot of struggles. And, she just, she knew like, she was always like, you can do better, Sarah. Like you, like, I remember her being like, I think the two biggest lessons that were sort of like, that I learned that have really benefited me in my adult life. And and now as a mom Mm -hmm. is that, uh, you have to be accountable with your word. Mm -hmm. So like, if you say you're going to do something, you do it, you're going to do it. Like, She's like, I don't care if you're sick. I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you don't want to do it. You're going you're gonna to show up. And you're like the only reason, the only valid excuse, she would, she would, she, I just, because I would just come up with a million excuse, And she'd be like, that's an excuse. That's an excuse. That's I'm an excuse.
1: Obsessed.
0: Yeah. Everything was an excuse. <laughs> and that she was sense. right. She was right. And so um, it, it was the accountability. And also she really instilled in me a really strong, work ethic yeah like you were always like you were always working on something and like doesn't matter what like there was no time to sit around and be lazy you always need to be working on something
1: absolutely i can attest to all the viewers listening that sarah has both of those qualities like i remember when we did elf there was like one there was like one rehearsal where i sort of like peeled myself out of my bed which was above the rehearsal studio may i add And I came downstairs. You had like warmed up. You were like ready to go. I remember like in the first ten, I was like, "How was your night, Sarah?" And you were like, "I had one hour sleep." You were like, "I slept for one hour," and you and I remember being like, "What?" And you were like, "Not even consistently." You you were like, "I slept for like five minutes and then was awake for ten and slept another ten minutes." And I was like, "And you just turned out that full tap routine performance?" I was like, "How dare you? What an icon!" (laughs)
0: what an icon okay well thank you um i'm so i'm very flattered and very honored because yeah it was difficult because sophie was eight months old during that and she was going through like the eight month sleep regression oh teeny i know and she just didn't want to sleep, and I think it's because I was gone more yeah. d- during the day, and she she just wasn't. It was a lot of like separation anxiety, yeah. and she wasn't because I was in rehearsal all day long. It was, busy. And it was
1: a busy month. We did it. We did it so quick. Cr- it was like a week and a half of rehearsals, right? Yeah, if, yeah. If that. Mhm. Wow. What I wouldn't give.
0: <laughs> what What advice do you have for the for the youth for the children who want to go into this crazy business when the business comes back?
1: Um. It's so hard not to say like, do you remember advice that you would get as a kid that you were like, oh God, I hear that from every adult and you like don't want to hear it anymore. Um, It's really hard not to like churn out that advice because it's so true. Um, I always sort of, I'll put my teeth back in. Um, (laughs) I always sort of say, you know, it's really embarrassing as a kid or a teenager or a parent at time or as a parent as a 20 year old at times mm-hmm. when our parents think that you're like the best thing that the stage or the screen has ever seen you know it's sort of like mom like you don't have to hang around after the show or you know dad like stop filming every second <laughs> um those kind of feelings um but i always say like they're kind of they're kind of right, like everyone is an individual like every single person is an individual like yes there's a comparison you know you might have brown hair like the other person they might wear glasses like me but like every person is an individual and so your parents being like or your family or your loved ones or your friends that are like supporting you that are saying like you can do it like really listen to them because they're true they're they're right like you're the only one that is you and i think that's something that we i don't think we ever learn you know i can Say this advice as much as I like to others, but I think it's hard for us to hear sometimes. But it's right, we're all individuals, and I think sometimes it's scary because we feel like there's not enough space for everyone in the performance industry or in this career. But there absolutely is like, there absolutely is. There are so many wonderful theater companies, um, so many stories that have yet to be told that are going to be told again because they are worth their weight in gold at a particular time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many ways to do what it is that you want to do. Uh, There's never not an option. And I think that's like the biggest thing I always try and impart is like, if you feel like the role isn't out there, create it or find the people that can help you create it. If you feel like you're not going to fit in, um, (laughs) just know that you are and there's the right place and the right show for you out somewhere. But I always think like, there's a lot of people that are going to tell you not to do it. And I always think, remind yourself that you absolutely should you absolutely should no matter who tries to tell you otherwise right that sounded a bit that sounded a bit aggressive towards the end (laughs) someone's gonna tell you not to do
0: it uncle
1: luke is telling you to do it
0: well and that's the thing is that i know for me it was like i was my own worst enemy for Mm. so long i was the one who was telling me not to do it Everybody else was telling me to do it. And I was the one for some reason who was saying, you're not good enough or yeah. you're not talented or it, there's, you know, it's, there's too much competition or yeah. you know, whatever, or you don't have enough money or whatever excuse, oh, again, excuse, excuse, mm-hmm. excuse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I don't know, for some reason, I just did it. I just kept showing up e- even though I didn't necessarily feel confident or the yeah. talented or whatever. And I know for me as as a woman in this business it's just like oh. rough ball change because there's yeah. there's just so many of us and as a young woman now that I'm getting older. In fact, I think having this baby was one of the best things that ever happened to me because oh. it just made me appreciate my body so yeah. much more because and now it's just kind of like whatever like mm-hmm. I had, this is my, I had a baby, this is my body, like, who cares, like, I gained a bunch of weight, I lost some of it, like, th- this is, you just kind of show up as you are, and, yep. and you just don't really, you know what I mean, it's, kind, vanity just kind of
1: goes out the window. <laughs> yeah, and then, and the more you own it, I feel like the more the industry will, will start to change in the direction that we all wanted to go to, which is, more accepting diverse Mm -hmm. um industry that reflects the world that we live in which has all types of different people in it so therefore i think the more that we sort of push for the change in the industry that we want to see and that affects all of us as individuals the more it will change because i think it is easy to graduate and try and come conf- and try and like shove yourself into a very specific box mm-hmm. you know say that there's like a dream role that you have like you don't have to just do that one thing okay. i think if you make yourself malleable like water and sort of go with the flow of you as an individual i think it's you get s- swept up on this beautiful ride because it is it's hard like you know it's the other. Uh, not doing it is always going to be the easy option. And I think the the sooner we learn that as artists, but also as people wanting to do this as a career, the sooner we understand that it's always going to be easier to not do it, to not go to the audition, to not submit the self-tape, to not go and get your headshots updated, to not have a website, to not do it, to do the other thing. It's always going to be easy to do that. And once you kind of go like, great, I'm waking up. I'm not feeling like going to line up for this audition you know, 5 a.m. on a freezing cold February morning. We've all done it. Um, it's always going to be easier not to go. But if you don't, what what could you be missing out on? Like, what Like right. what if you meet the person in the audition line that in 10 years time is going to cost you in something? What if you get the job that you go in for? Like, there's yeah. endless possibilities in the struggle that it is to do this thing. And it's never linear. It's never going to be drama school, agent, career, fame, <laughs> fortune, <laughs> Oscar you know, a lovely loss of life. No, it's, it's going to be a zigzaggy thing. But if you have your like heart set on, you know, creating and telling stories and putting yourself in other people's shoes and being kind to one another and meeting these amazing people in this industry, I think you're going to have a a great career ahead of you because it isn't linear, you know, it is a crazy old ride you know
0: yeah and who knew there was going to be a world pandemic just thrown in there
1: (laughs) absolutely i mean can you imagine being in your last year of drama school right now i keep uh, credit to the graduates and even the people that are in school and jump i mean internationally not even just in this industry but those that are studying right now Mm -hmm. boy oh boy i don't know if i have the kahunas to do that it was hard enough in the normal world.
0: Right. And now it's even harder. <laughs>
1: Can you imagine?
0: I can't. I, I really, I mean, yeah, the the tenacity, the mm-hmm. bravery, the the strength. Yeah. Well, I would I, say.
1: Well, cheers to them because. <laughs> yes.
0: Che- cheers to you at university for drama. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this episode is dedicated to all the future graduates of so-so-so College of Arts. <laughs> Why can't we think of one drama school? Even the drama school I went to <laughs> long ago—you forgot. <laughs> My brain is sludge. My brain is sludge.
0: Yeah. Well, do you have a favorite theater memory or story that you would like to leave our listeners with?
1: Ooh. Uh, oh gosh. I think. I,
0: I have. I have one about you.
1: Stop! Oh God. From oh no. <laughs> i sure i did. have like a Rolodex of really embarrassing moments that it could be
0: no actually you're i it's it's not like a on stage it's like a oh, before the show moment
1: <laughs> God, okay it? i'll
0: tell i'll tell mine and then okay. give me some time to, to think um So this was, I'm pretty sure this was the closing performance of Elf, and I love Christmas so much. I have so many Christmas traditions that I do every single year, and it just, this memory sticks out so much because it it still makes me laugh, because we were both downstairs like in the downstairs dressing rooms Mm -hmm. and clearly we had both like written our christmas cards and we were going around to people's dressing you see now you remember you know what i'm (laughs) gonna say we were both go like secretly like little secret elves like going around and like passing out our christmas cards to people um before the show started and we come around there's like this little like corner and we both at this at the same time i kid you not we're (laughs) both holding a, a bunch of candy canes in one hand and a stack of cards in the other hand we both come around the corner at the same time we see each other hold it both holding the same thing candy canes and cards and we both like as loud as can be we both go (laughs) 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 and we we, do you remember this? Um,
1: We we were downstairs outside like like Pippa's costume like little like corner right? Yeah
0: outside like the laundry room (laughs)
1: I do remember that because I, remember, I, I, I do remember us like connecting very quickly in rehearsals that we were like crazy Christmas people. Yeah. And obviously that's why we were doing Elf in the first place, but just like <laughs> really pushing the Christmas spirit. And I do remember like sneaking around and thinking we were so slick um, at being like the little Christmas elf, but I just love that the two Christmas elves crossed paths yeah. backstage.
0: And it was almost like we were both like in such shock. We were like... <gasps> like like Katya, Katya.
1: Like and it was like it was like twins that had reunited after like a long time apart. We were like you do this too? Yeah. I do this too? Like,
0: I've done this every Christmas for the last 12 Christmas contracts.
1: I was like where have you been all my life with these candy of games? <laughs> oh my gosh. Just around so, the corner. <laughs> just truly around the corner. Um I I'm going to say an elf one as well. Okay. Really because it was just such a fun contract in general um for me i think it's hanging out at five west because there was a couple of nights where after rehearsals we would go and get a bunch of cheese and a bunch of wines but opening night i think all of us hanging out there and it was sort of like the heart the like the pulse of that contract because we would all be there you know you'd be there on a morning with surf and I got to meet Sophie eight months, and she was just so gorgeous and so happy to be like cuddled by everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, I distinctively, it was almost like this closest I've ever been to like the Friends <laughs> series, like the Central Perk coffee house. Like, you know, it was it was just I have so many fun memories, and I think even now, like, we had snow here at Christmas, and I just remember like the first snowfall in Sullivan. I actually do remember also arriving in Sullivan for the first time and this is my first time in like the Middle States of America. It's it's not the mid is it the Midwest?
0: The Midwest for yeah. Midwest.
1: Everyone, this is how foreign I am, I have no clue. Um <laughs> but I remember like getting in the car at St. Louis Airport and Jack was driving us in And he was like, it's literally a straight line to Sullivan. And I was like, what do you mean a straight line? And he was like, it's so flat. He was like, it's literally just a straight shoot to Sullivan. We got there, we got out the car and there was like white stuff floating in the air. And I was like, it's Christmas. It's going to be such a Christmas contract. And he was like, that's corn dust from the local field. And I was like, okay, (laughs) thank you for the confirmation. But just like that, that whole, like I know I didn't give one specific memory, but like, all of us magically being in this one place at the same time mm-hmm. we did a christmas show there was snow um we were like sort of snowed into it was just oh my gosh that whole contract it really it truly was and i'm not saying this because we met on that contract which was one of the great perks but it was just like such a magical contract if only yeah. we knew if only we knew
0: yeah i mean if if only we i mean that's the last show that i've performed in and that's been over a year now and it's weird (laughs) you know well happy
1: anniversary it's almost been it was over our anniversary
0: (laughs) thank thank you thank (laughs) you
1: (laughs) what material is one year i know two years is cotton we should have bought each other a gift that was like it's probably like tin foil or something like that i don't know Tin foil classy classy i made you a tin foil tiara
0: yes class not trash
1: oh that's That's like my motto. Class trash.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for just being so gracious and lovely and taking the time to have this little chat with me.
1: Sarah, thank you for having me. This has just been so nice. And like a really lovely excuse. Not that we ever need one to just catch up. It's been so nice to just sit and chat yeah
0: i know we've um, been meaning to record this episode for a while now and truly (laughs) it's been really but it's it's been nice to have this little reunion i
1: know i love it well thank you so much for having me on sarah honestly it's an incredible podcast and an incredible feat to have done as many episodes as you have and i'm so excited to to listen to all the future ones as well i'm sort of hooked i'm like a definite subscriber and serious fan uh so i'm sort of here as like i feel like i'm at like comic-con or something so this has been (laughs) nothing but a pleasure
0: oh well thank you so much for being so supportive and being such a fan um have you left a written review yet
1: uh i will oh my god i've just been called out oh my god (laughs) i will write a review when the merch comes out i'm ready for a sweatshirt sarah Um,
0: okay it's so funny that you say that (laughs) because i have seriously been thinking about we need merchandise (laughs)
1: We- I'm so excited for that there's no people like show people jazz leotard. You <laughs> cannot imagine. I'm wearing it to every audition.
0: Well, I will say Zach Smith, <laughs> who is our uh, sound editor here at the podcast, he said that he wanted booty shorts. <gasps> that that's Because you know the, the introduction, yes. the very first thing mm-hmm. that I say is, hello, friends. And he wants booty shorts with hello, friends on on the butt. <laughs>
1: okay i'm like envisioning everyone this summer in the hello friends there's no people like show people booty shorts coming soon um if you ever need like a like a like i said a bold burly british model um that might appeal to a very different market than i think this lovely merch could appeal to but um i'm free I've checked my schedule. I'm free. I'm, I'm really. Um, free.
0: <laughs> well, let me just say that <laughs> a bald, burly British model always appeals to me. <gasps>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! Are you singing to the choir?
0: So you just come on over whenever, whenever, you want.
1: Thank you, lovely. I will grow out my chest hair for the occasion. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And on what the a lovely note, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, what a lovely
1: note to end on everyone. What a <laughs> lovely image. And yes, I'm still dressed as Belle from Being the Beast.
0: Um. <laughs> Tale as old as time,
1: song as old as rhyme,
0: <laughs> beauty and the beast.
1: Oh my goodness.